Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio for today. I'm your host, Albert Hardy. I want to start off in Jeremiah 14 and verse 13 and 14. Well, actually, let's start in 11. Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for these people anymore. When they fast, I will pay no attention. When they present their burnt offerings and grain offerings to me, I will not accept them. Instead, I will devour them with war, famine, and disease. That sounds like what we're experiencing today. Then I said, O Sovereign Lord, their prophets are telling them, All is well. No war or famine will come. The Lord will surely send you peace. Then the Lord said, These prophets are telling lies in my name. I did not send them or tell them to speak. I did not give them any messages. They prophesy of visions and revelations they have never seen or heard. They speak foolishness made up in their own lying hearts. And I'm reading, by the way, from the NLT. Therefore... This is what the Lord says. I will punish these lying prophets, for they have spoken in my name, even though I never sent them. They say, no war or famine will come, but they themselves will die by war and famine. As for the people to whom they prophesy, their bodies will be thrown out into the streets of Jerusalem, victims of famine and war. There will be no one left to bury them. Husbands, wives, sons, and daughters, all will be gone, for I will pour out their own wickedness on them. Now, Jeremiah, say this to them. Night and day my eyes overflow with tears. I cannot stop, stop weeping for my virgin daughter, my precious people. They have been struck down, and they lie mortally wounded. If I go out into the fields, I see bodies of people slaughtered by the enemy. If I walk the city streets, I see people who have died of starvation. The prophets and the priests continue their work, but they don't know what they're doing. Unquote. Verse 19, Jeremiah 14. Lord, have you completely rejected Judah? Do you really hate Jerusalem? Why have you wounded us past all hope of healing? We hoped for peace, but no peace came. We hoped for a time of healing, but found only terror. Lord, we confess our wickedness and that of our ancestors too. We all have sinned against you. For the sake of your reputation, Lord, do not abandon us. Do not disgrace your own glorious throne. Please remember us and do not break your covenant with us. Can any of the worthless foreign gods send us rain? Does it fall from the sky all by itself? No, you are the one, O Lord, our God. Only you can do such things. So we wait for you to help us." Unquote. They say that a bat caused all this with the coronavirus. Uh, 
Now, what do they mean by that? A bat, did it bite somebody or did they eat it? Who knows? What happened in China? My guess is since they eat baby mice and think that's a delicacy, they may have eaten a bat. God said that's a no-no. Don't eat bats. Where did he say that? I'd say Leviticus 11. Leviticus 11 and verse, well, let's start in 13. These are the birds that are detestable to you. You must never eat them. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, falcons of all kinds, ravens of all kinds, the eagle owl, and the short-eared owl, the seagull, hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the barn owl, the desert owl, the Egyptian vulture, the stork, herons of all kinds, the hoopoe, and the bat. Unquote. I know people, and they are so stubborn and so rebellious, they will not listen to God. They will go actually into God's Word, find out what God says not to eat, and then go find it and eat it, because they're that defiant. And especially godless people that don't know the Word of God. And that's too bad. It's a shame. SARS killed China's pigs back in 2002 and onwards. And they had a terrible time keeping pigs alive. And their bodies, well, they had to kill them. They had to kill them. They were sick and they had to die. So they killed them, but their blood ran into the water supply. It filled up the creeks and streams of China. And then what happens? Well, disease spreads. And that's a tragedy. Now let's flip on over to Matthew 24, and we'll start in uh, verse 5. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. So we've got to be careful what we hear, whether it comes from our government, from the media, or, yes, even from pastors and teachers. We've got to be careful. Not every one of them is telling the truth. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, not zapped out of here, no, in some rapture, no. Arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray me and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. 
Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures all the way to the end will be saved. So that's what Jesus is telling you and me that we have to do. Endure all the way to the end. And that may not be that far away. And it's not going to be easy. We're not going to be in our comfort zone much longer, seems to me. We have had a good life up until this point. But now things are different. It's really, really quiet and peaceful. But it's kind of like, how long can you tread water? Well, how many of us in America grow even a half of 1% of the food we ingest? Do you? Do I? I have a lot of gardens. They're, they're tub gardens, you know, totes. I garden in containers. That's it. So how much food can I get out of containers? Depends on how many containers, I suppose. But I've got quite a few. Anyway, I've got a lot of things growing. Sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, peas. Um, let's see. I've got uh, onions and garlic and strawberries and blueberries and mangoes and avocados and several other things. But that doesn't mean I can survive even one day on what I grow. I can't. I can't force a mango to ripen or to grow into maturity except once a year. And I'm not the one doing the growing. I just stuck the trees in the ground and um, harvest their fruit when and if it comes into fruition. But to carry on, verse 14 the good news about the kingdom will be preached through the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. We can't save ourselves. That's the whole deal. No matter how much you grow, you're probably not going to be able to be totally self-sufficient. There's... This guy on YouTube, a self-sufficient me, Mark is his name, and he lives in Australia. And he's quite the gardener. He grows a lot in raised beds and containers, some trees on the ground and, and such. But he's got all kinds of stuff, and he makes a lot of good videos. So I suggest that you check him out. That's the self-sufficient me channel. The day is coming, verse uh, 15, when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. That would be standing in the holy place. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not even return to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women or nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be 
in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. See, we're not quite there yet, are we? No. Now, there have been flu epidemics that happened a hundred years ago and killed thousands and thousands of people in the bubonic plague. You know, so this isn't the first. This is the first in my lifetime, the first pandemic, that is. Uh, verse 21, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. In fact, it will never be so great ever again. Have you noticed that all of the churches are shut up, locked down? Well, all the ones I know about are, and uh, that's probably a good thing. We want to stop this thing. We want to get rid of it. Absolutely. But I also have noticed a, a drastic proliferation of online churches. What happens when this whole thing is done? Well, I think many people will say, look, we're used to this way of worship now. Let's just keep going like this. That way we don't have to hustle with the kids and we don't have to expose them to anything or ourselves either. And we can get everything we got there except the fellowship. Well, what about that? Do we need fellowship? Well, we might need a lot of things, but we may have to get it in our own family and fellowship with them. In fact, I think that it would be good if every um, married couple and their children would all worship together at home. Read the Bible, pray, talk about it, answer questions, and make it full of reverence and worship, and not put other gods before the true God, like movies or uh, television or something like that. I am trying to call people to repentance, and I think that's what each one of us needs, including me, myself, and I. I'm no better than you or anybody else. No, I'm only human just like anybody. But there are tough times coming, and the teachers of prophecy need to not kiss up to people and say, oh, nothing's going to happen to you. It's going to be all right. Well, yes, it will be all right when Jesus returns. He's taking charge of the governments of this world. We need to be getting ready. I need to be getting ready for that day. Because that day is coming. It is on the way in his time schedule. He knows best, and he knows when the time is right. Now let's flip on over to Revelation chapter 6 and verse 4. Revelation 6 and verse 4. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. 
You know, all this sounds pretty gloomy, but there is hope at the end of this thing. So let's see where that hope might lie. Let's go back to 5, chapter 5, where the Lamb opens the scroll. Let's start in verse uh, 6. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the twenty-four elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Now the Lamb is Jesus. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed your people, the people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. Unquote. That's talking about you and me, folks. Believers, people that are getting themselves prepared and ready for this role as a kingdom of priests. What do I mean by a kingdom of priests? Well, we are to be kings and priests. Now, what does that mean? Well, we administer to the people their spiritual needs and their physical needs. The king takes care of all their physical needs. The priest takes care of all their spiritual needs. And therefore, we will help complete those wonderful people in the future under the auspices of none other than Jesus, the King of Kings. Verse 11, Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang a mighty, or in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That reminds me of another scripture, but let's see if we can uh, hold on to that thought and, and then come back. John chapter 10 and verse 10. John 10.10. 10. That should be easy enough to remember. John 10.10. 10. John 10 and verse 10 says this. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill, and to destroy. My purpose is to give them, that is, his people, his sheep, if you will, a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. That's what he's talking about back in Revelation where he says he was slaughtered. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and he doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so that I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Unquote. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 5 and continue in verse 13. There's only two more verses in this uh, chapter. And then I heard every creature in heaven and earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and they all sang this, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. I'm not going to stop worshipping because of this virus. Do you know that the virus itself can endure very cold temperatures, like down to minus 25 degrees or somewhere? And after that, it'll die. But as far as the heat goes... You have to get it up to 131 degrees before it will kill the virus. But there are, are other ways of killing a virus. One of those is with chemicals. I happen to have a backyard full of Calancho pinata plants. Calancho pinata is a medicinal plant that comes from Guam, my dad bought one leaf of that, and now my whole yard is full of it. It's an invasive plant, but it has 49 different chemicals in it that have been analyzed, and one of them is a virus killer. It is antiviral. It has antifungal properties. It also has uh, antibacterial properties. So one leaf of that, if you carry that around and you touch something you need to clean your hands with, use one of those leaves. You can wipe it off and wipe on it, wipe on your skin until it turns green. It has juice in it. It's a succulent. And so, but that will kill a virus, reportedly. So anyhow... God is providing a way for us 
to kill this thing and hopefully never see it again. Now, the other viruses, like the common cold, I used to work around people that would come to work sick every single time. And I, uh, I just really hated that. I didn't hate them. I just hate what they did because the fact is that they get reimbursed for their sick leave time if they don't take it. Well, shame on them. They should take it for the concern, the care of all the people in the office. One person comes in sick. They touch something in the bathroom or a door handle. Someone else touches that door handle and voila, they're sick too. And then they infect other people when they don't stay home. Now we've got to stop acting like a bunch of children. Now let's get used to it and quarantine ourselves. Well, wait a minute now. That's not the whole story. Sometimes they have children that have to be uh, taken care of. And so they must go and take them to the daycare center. The kids pick up the virus that somebody else's kid has, and they bring it home. The parents get it. What are they going to do? They can't just shut down everything. Well, sometimes we have to. Sometimes we need to. And this is one of those times. Forget about daycare. Keep the kid at home. Stay home. If they tell you, if your government tells you to stay home, then stay home. So anyway, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me, too. So I need to be careful not to disobey the rules. If there's a curfew, I'm going to be there at 9 o'clock or whenever it is in my home. So anyway, I hope you do the same thing. Go ahead and uh, just follow through on what they tell us to do. And let's keep away from the coronavirus. And that's the way to do it. They finally get rid of the thing. And by the way, don't eat bats. But anyway, it's not really very funny. But here's a thought. Let's look at this from the standpoint of biological warfare for a second. Now... Everybody on Earth knows how to destroy America if they want to. And look what's happened. Look what's happening to our economy and, and our money that's coming in. Now we're printing $2 trillion more as a stimulus package for the people. Well, uh, what does that do? It devalues the value of our dollar. And it does that in front of the eyes of the whole world. But sometimes things like that come along and we can't help it. We've got to do something. And our president is trying to do a very good job and uh, trying to prevent bankruptcies and such. Anyway, I'm nearing the end of the podcast. I've got to go. Study the scriptures. Now that you've got more time to do it, do it with your family, please, and pray with them. Take care of one another, love on each other, except 
if they're sick. If they're sick, stay away from them. Stay out of their room. Help them when you can. Wear your mask and take chemicals with you to kill the virus. Until next time, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com. We'll see you there.